Well, welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. I'm Chris Grace. And I'm Tim Yoha. And uh, we get to come to you again uh, from Biola University and our Center for Marriage and Relationships. Um, and Tim, uh, we started talking last time about friendships. Uh, there is a lot to cover. It's such an amazing and important topic. Uh, uh, the importance of friendships in our lives cannot be overestimated. Right. Yeah. It just simply is the thing that sustains a lot of us and keeps us going. So talk about friendships today. Let's spend some more time talking about them. What do you think? Yeah, we, we mentioned last podcast that this is one of the most requested topics that we get from listeners mm-hmm. uh, because everybody wants friendships. Mm-hmm. Everybody longs for friendships. So uh, we've been tackling some questions that we've mm-hmm. been getting and uh, you had a, a great one. Yeah, basically the question says this, uh, what are characteristics of good, healthy friendships? What makes some a friendship healthy? The first thing that stands out to me, I, I would say this, it feels like a healthy friendship is one that is emotionally safe. What mm. I mean by that is I could be vulnerable in a friendship. I could say things that, I, that aren't good about me. I could express some things that aren't, that I don't feel good about myself. And yet I know in a friendship, Tim, like I could tell you, we, yeah. you, we've had some talks and I've shared some things and I know that I'll still be accepted. I know that I can make a mistake and not be judged. I know that I can speak openly about my thoughts and emotions. And to me, that means I could be myself. I can, I could feel heard when I express my feelings. I, I could feel that idea and I, it's just safe for me. Yeah. We, we actually phrase it, a couple of my friends, Hey, can I share a heresy with you? Right. (laughs) I mean, it's like, okay, I know this is, and I'm still in process. Don't hold me to any of this. And I get that, that I'm probably even going to disagree with myself tomorrow. But today, can I just float this idea and not just get the standard Christian answer or, hey, you shouldn't be thinking that way. I know I shouldn't be thinking that way. That's why I said, can I share a heresy with you? And your friends allow you to be in process, Chris. And I think that's the greatest benefit with being emotionally safe is I'm still working this out. And I I get that what I'm about to say can be a little unsettling, but I got to talk to somebody about it. Yeah. So, and then on the positive side of that, right, somebody, an, an emotionally safe friendship is something that you feel there's it's marked by things like warmth or mm-hmm. or delight or sympathy or yeah. and, and and it's free then from some of the negative interactions you know jealousy or criticism or defensiveness and i think that idea is what is so attractive about being able to be yourself with somebody uh, and to find that 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 joy and that delight with somebody that's a good one so another quality healthy friendships besides emotionally safe we would say healthy friendships are something that are marked by it, by being enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm, there there mm-hmm. are more smiles, more fun, and more delight than there would be, you know, discontent or disappointment, right? There's more giving than taking. That's right. And so you feel comfortable and vulnerable. You laugh easy. So that idea of being a, a healthy relationship, a healthy friendship, should be marked by enjoyment. That that just makes sense. But here's what here's where I I think. I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Sometimes these relationships are safe and enjoyable because you purposely do not bring up certain topics. Uh, sure, yeah. So I would call it a pseudo safe yeah. relationship. We have the safety yeah. because I, I'm just letting a lot of things go by and I'm not choosing to, because I, I lack the confidence that our friendship could survive it. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes our friend, because I've had friendships in the past 
that, you know, I did bring up a topic. I, I did sit down with that person. It did not go well. Mm -hmm. And I can think of like one or two friendships that just didn't survive that. Mm -hmm. So, so it is interesting. A true friendship would be one where you've kind of, I think, tested the waters. Mm -hmm. So do you think you could have a good, strong friendship without ever having a disagreement, Chris? Well, I, I think what ends up happening is you're going to, uh, just by the very nature of what intimacy is, with design by, you know, we're just different. We're going to almost always run into areas and times in which we disagree. And mm -hmm. I think it's the nature of that disagreement, the way it's navigated and the way it's handled. And I think most friendships are going to have to, at some point, wade into those waters. If not, I think you're right. They're probably not very deep waters then. If you're unable to have a, yeah. a, a conversation that's hard or heartfelt or difficult or a point of tension, um, then maybe it's not a, as deep a friendship as you thought. See, I have a, I have a circle of friends <clears throat> and you're part of this circle though we'll have to see how t today goes, um, that we generally agree on things is what right. I would say. Right. Generally agree politically, theologically, right. that kind of stuff. Now, I do have one friend that we just naturally disagree. Mm. And, and I enjoy that friendship, mm -hmm. but we have to work hard at it. Mm -hmm. We have to make sure that we're affirming each other because yeah. theologically, we really disagree about certain things. Yeah. Politically... We really disagree. Um, so I'm not saying that a friendship like that can't happen, but you have to do extra work at it to make sure that we're okay. But I'd say the majority of my friends, we, we just laugh and there's a lot of agreement and laughter. Um, but but I think it's possible to have those friendships where you just you do disagree a lot, but you have to do relational maintenance. Yeah, you do. And, and I think it goes back to that idea too that if the primary way of interacting in a friendship is, you know, kind of fondness and kindness. In the four love, C.S. Lewis mm. uh, said this: affection is responsible for nine tenths of whatever solid and durable happiness there is in our lives. It does not expect too much, turns a blind eye to faults, and revives easily after quarrels. So even in disagreements, what happens is this affection that we feel for others is responsible for a lot of the happiness in wow. C.S. Lewis, right? Yeah. So that, that's also the idea of James 119, where, where friends are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Yeah, that's that good. idea. That's so good. then a third maybe uh, notion of healthy friendships is one that we're kind of kind of talking about a little bit here is that healthy friendships are trusting. Mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. there's kind of this idea that there's not only a care for each other, but there's an expectation of longevity, right? A sense yeah. of a future yeah. together. And yeah. I trust that. And so... A friendship, a good, healthy friendship is usually marked by this thing called honesty and trustworthiness, right? Paul said, you know, we are taking out, we look for the interests of others, yep. regard them as more important than ourselves. And I think when you both have a friendship that's healthy, you share and listen to each other's problems, but you know, I'm making an investment and this is going to be something that I'm going to stay with. And, 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 and so this idea of trustworthiness is a very important feature, that idea of a sense of a future together. And that that person's in your corner. I think that's huge. You know, as we go through life, we all take risks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I say to one of my kids who uh, right now is uh, studying to take the LSAT. Yeah. And I love this one quote, um, nerves are the price mm. a racehorse pays for not being a milk cow. <laughs> I, I love that quote. In other words, you you want to live a, a, a life that doesn't have any nervousness or take risks? Be a yeah. milk cow. But if you're going to be a racehorse, dude, that's just part of it. Mm. And so friends, 
And again, we're in academia, you know, trying to write books. We're trying to get articles published. We're trying to start a center. And there's ups and downs and bumps along the road. You need those friends who are in your corner to say, hey, you can do this. All right, you got rejected by this publisher. So Mm -hmm. what, man? Keep going. Mm -hmm. But, But it's what we talked about in the last podcast as well. You do need a person to step up and say, eventually, Tim... I do not think mm-hmm. you're going to play shortstop for the Detroit Tigers. I think <laughs> that ship has sailed. But <clears throat> you generally expect your friends to say, come on, man, don't get discouraged. Keep mm-hmm. going. You can do this. You can do graduate education. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You can raise those ki- kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. So friends are huge. Hey, Tim, here's another question that we get asked. Um, and uh, someone wrote in, how can we become more aware of how body language, <laughs> facial expressions, tone of voice affect our communication with others? Um, so what do you think? Hey, to quote from your field, here's a quote from Freud. If his lips are silent, he chatters with his fingertips. Betrayal oozes out of him at every pore. <laughs> I love Freud. <laughs> Which means you're not talking uh, audibly. Man, you're speaking volumes. We, we have this saying in communication theory, you cannot not yep. communicate. Yep. Even if you choose to be silent, your silence speaks volumes. Yep. So, man, um, we, to answer this question, we have a principle in communication theory called perception checking. Mm-hmm. The reason perception checking is huge is I do read into your nonverbals. Yeah. And I read a ton into them. And, yep. uh, and I'm sure, Chris, you and I have so many studies when it comes to this. But, but we are wrong a lot of the time in reading each other's nonverbals. One uh, man did a study. They discovered that one cue thought to give away that people are lying uh, is shifty eyes. But he found that that's actually false. It's not a good indicator whether a person is lying. But I could look at you shifting your eyes and think, oh, man, Chris is lying to me. What's mm-hmm. going on? So, one, I don't even know my nonverbals, Chris. Yeah. I'm yeah. not aware of, of how I'm coming across nonverbally. And yet my wife, you, uh, students, read into my nonverbals volumes. Mm-hmm. You know, that idea um, is a big area for us in social psychology. What does nonverbal signs mean? Can you tell if somebody is, uh, you know, not being honest with you? Or And, and we, uh, as you mentioned, Tim, we d- get distracted by the strangest things. Oh, somebody's yeah. fidgety. Somebody yep. is moving, you know, or adjusting their hair or their glasses or their... Well, what happens is people just are different and yeah. we can ba- barely read, uh, you know, something yeah. accurately. I remember um, one study that looked at... How those who are really good at nonverbal uh, interpretation or language, how, what they looked for and mm, what they found. Mm. And they found that those who are best at it, who had been even kind of trained in this, saw that the most telling difference uh, or that someone might have been deceiving them was a the difference between what they were saying, their words, and the emotions on their face. So there's huh. a disconnect. So they might be saying one thing, their lips, but their emotions sh- show something else. And right. that disconnect is probably something that we pay attention to. Like, this doesn't make a lot of sense. So nonverbal is an amazing area of study, but that idea of how we communicate that with friendships um, really begins to give us the sense that, oh, this person is with me. They care for me, even without them saying a word. Remember Job's friends sat there for three days. That's a nonverbal message that I'm here with you. We're, We're not leaving. And I'm hungry and I want to be fed. <laughs> but, but just keep in mind is what I need to tell myself is that uh, most of us, if these studies are true, we 
wildly overestimate my ability to read another person's nonverbals. Yeah. And again, I think this is a broader issue, Chris. If, if my friendship with a person is strong, good, healthy, vibrant, uh-huh. then I will look at their nonverbals and interpret them in a positive way. Right. If there's tension between us, mm-hmm. boy, that colors your perception. And now I start to read into your nonverbals negatively, right? right. So we have to, man, we just got to be careful. If ever there was an area where you want to check your perceptions with another person, it is here. And to say to a person, hey, you just seem a little tired. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just distracted about uh, something happening at work. I mean, boy, it's important to clarify. It is. To pay attention to how we feel is a, is a, a, and being mm-hmm. honest about it. But it takes a little bit of time and insight to, to, to be able to say, you know what? This is really bothering me right now. I'm distracted by something. And so I think you're right, Tim. I think we need this ability to pause sometimes uh, and figure out our own hearts because we are some, we're, we're always going to communicate. We can't not communicate, yeah. right? As you said, so. You know, I was, uh, <clears throat> I did debate and uh, competitive speech in college. I, that's how I got through college. So when I graduated, uh, I would be a judge at, at some of these tournaments. And one um, event is after, actually called After Dinner Speaking. It, made, it was made popular by Mark Twain. Mm-hmm. It is persuading people with humor. So as you sit down to judge, you're really judging two things. One, you're judging the content of the speech. It has to have content. This can't be stand-up comedy. And second, are you using humor to persuade us on certain points? Well, Chris, I would go in as a judge, and I would just be sitting, and you have to actually fill out uh, a a page – justifying the scores that you're giving a person. Uh So honestly, I'm I'm literally writing – hey, this is really funny. I I think this is really good. This is a great, but I'm not laughing out loud. Mm -hmm. I later was approached by another judge who said, hey, Tim, can I give you one piece of uh, advice as a judge? I said, sure. He said, listen, these students are living and dying watching you as they're giving their speech. Mm -hmm. And as you're sitting there writing, just throw out a laugh every once in a while. If if you think it is truly funny, just throw out a laugh every once in a while because the reading that you you don't think this is funny at all. And I'm actually literally (laughs) writing, hey, that was a really funny joke, but I was just paying attention and concentrating on being a judge. So man, again, we just, we read into these um, things in a job interview, when we're asking a person out on a date, when we're uh, given a presentation. So we got to tone down our expectations of what nonverbals are communicating to us. Yeah. You know, there's um, Tim, some studies that have shown that a lot of our communication can be miscommunication. All right. Because there's so many different messages uh, that when two people talk, right. And so these eight possible messages go in like, like, so it starts like this. I remember it studying this kind of idea of a conversation. There are eight messages that can be communicated even right now. What I intend to say that's number one. <laughs> yep. What I actually said, what I think I said, right? That's three. <laughs> then you add in what the other person hears, what the other person thinks he heard, what the other person intends to Isn't say, what the other person actually says, and then what the other person thinks he said. Yeah. So, I mean, those are eight different messages that can get through. And so it's no doubt that a lot of our communication is actually miscommunication. And this is why I write books on communication, Chris. Yeah. This is job security. What you just <laughs> said is, just, I mean, think of all the things that can go wrong. Yeah. 
I mean, I love number three is what I think I said. Yeah. Come on, I was as clear as a bell, and you didn't get the message. That's insanity. Yeah, I remember. I remember one night. It was it was a really warm, hot night, uh, and it was in July. We're lying in bed. I'm lay, laying next to Lisa, and I say this. I just say to her, "You're hot," <laughs> and she says, "Scoot over." And I'm thinking, "What does that mean? I don't, I don't know what that means." And so, what I intended to say was, "Here are the eight messages." I intended to say, "You know, you're hot." I intended to say, "I love you." What I actually said was, you're hot, right? What I think I said was, I love you, you sexy thing, <laughs> right? So what Elisa heard was, you're hot. What she thinks she heard was a complaint about her body temperature, oh. right? So she intends to say, well, you complain a lot. <laughs> what she actually says is, scoot over. So what she thinks she said was, leave me alone, yeah. right? Yeah. What I think she said was, come get me, you sexy thing. So, <laughs> four words, right? You're hot. Scoot over. So I think this idea, oh. then, of these eight messages, yeah. Tim, they, they really are yeah. part yeah. of this friendship, yeah. miscommunication and communication, and the way in which it kind of we have to navigate this world by reading and understanding the heart, the intent, the context, and the nonverbals. This is why the book of Proverbs says life and death is in the power of yeah, the tongue. That's right. I mean, and again, we can actually impart death and not know it. Yep. Like you and I have quick senses of humor mm. where that humor uh, can really hurt people in ways that we just never intended. You know, there's that moment where it's going to be funny and it's not going to be funny three seconds later. <laughs> so you say it and uh, um, yeah. Well, so, you know, I think in that regard, Tim, uh, understanding and being aware of our deep emotions, our affect, how something is affecting us, and then being able to talk about that is a great way. And of, I would uh, say, just because, man, this is just hilarious to listen to what you just said, because all the room for miscommunication. But here's what I think friends give us. Don't you think, Chris, friends mostly give us the benefit of the doubt? I think that's a great yeah, you know I what I mean? So. Yep. I can screw up yep. in a ton of different ways, yep. but my friends say, hey, I know Tim. Yeah. I I don't th even as they say, hey dude, you want to re uh, clarify what mm -hmm. you just said? Yeah. Uh, did you mean to say that? And yeah. again, that's what I think friends do is the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And when that's lacking, I think the friendship is on a little bit of a negative spiral. Yeah. And and you got to address it. Why do I no longer believe the best about you? Yep. That those are interesting, great questions. What forms a of self deception might happen in a friendship, mm -hmm. and how does it? affect our communication with our friends. Well, yeah. let me jump in from the field of communication. We have something, and Chris, I, we borrow this from psychology. It's called the self-serving bias. Yep. So here's how the self-serving bias works. Let's say, uh, Chris, you and me have a lunch appointment mm -hmm. and I miss it for whatever reason. When I explain to you why I missed it, I will say, hey, it's because um, I had all these crazy things happen at work. Mm -hmm. My schedule has been really crazy. Um, I had a hair appointment. <laughs> Listeners know I'm bald. Um, it's always something external uh -huh. is why I didn't make the appointment. Right. So the next week we reschedule. The next week you miss it. Right. I, applying the self-serving bias, do not afford you external reasons. I immediately assume it was internal character reasons. Yep. Like Chris doesn't care about the friendship. Yep. Chris doesn't care about being on time. What do you mean you blow off a lunch? That is called the self-serving bias. I always give myself the perpetual out. Mm -hmm. I never stop to think, hey, Tim, are there character issues happening within me? Mm -hmm. Why I'm missing lunches or being late and stuff like that. 
Oh man, it's such a such a great area, Tim, um, and it's really helpful for I think listeners to understand something about this bias that we have, and this yeah. bias is self serving. It's a bias that we have in general about attributions. Why does somebody do what they do? What you know, if somebody does some event or we see somebody act in a certain way, we have to make a decision. Is this about that person, their attribution, yeah. that, that is their their personality? Or is this more dependent upon, do we kind of blame the situation? Do we say, oh, somebody must have provoked him. Somebody must have said something mean to Tim earlier today. Somebody mm-hmm. must have, and this isn't normal for him. And there's that process of explaining and inferring the cause of events. And we tend to have a bias. We tend to overemphasize yep. the actors, the cause of events, which is why the benefit of the doubt is so important. When I see my friend act in a certain way that is unlike them. I need to be able, and usually will say, I wonder what's going on. I wonder yes, what outside yes, event happens. Yeah. Versus maybe somebody I don't know, I might think more likely, gosh, they are really hot-headed. They're mean-tempered. They're whatever, unkind. And isn't another word for this the fundamental attribution it's exactly error? exactly what it is. Yeah, we call that. And so another sign of a healthy relationship, yeah. friendship, going back to how we started the podcast is, when I do look at those situations where you're acting out of character, yeah. okay, that surprised me. You missed yeah. lunch. That, yeah. that, that doesn't usually happen. Yeah. Is Do I give you the benefit of the doubt? Do I believe the best about you? Or am I just stewing on that? Yeah, uh, yeah but man, we, we all need to recognize that we, we have these biases and self-deception is everywhere. And I literally don't know how I'm coming across. And I, I really need my friends yeah. to help me. So there's a proverb Proverbs 24, 26, I love this. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Mm-hmm. It's a Persian custom where friends would literally greet each other yeah. um, with a kiss on the lips. Let me illustrate, Chris. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's an interesting Chris Persian. just left the room. <laughs> but an honest answer is like that, right? So um, I need a friend to say, hey, Tim, do you realize that when you don't follow through on your end yeah. of the deal, yeah. that you always have an excuse, yeah. that it's never you, it's always this, this, mm-hmm. this, other people. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's hard to hear, but that's like a kiss on the lips. Yeah, it really is. And it's important uh, to ha- to then, therefore, be in a relationship or surround yourself with friends who are able to do that. It is so important. Um, you know, I, I think just as we, the, the idea, Tim, of you mentioned this is fundamental attribution. Error. It's yeah. so fundamental because we find it just, it occurs. Everyone does it. That's why they call it fundamental. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then the error that we make in attributions. You know, I remember one time uh, in, a, in a game I was uh, playing in, a football game and uh, intramurals, and I made a you know a, a number of catches, and it was snowy out one time. And this, I, I went back to the huddle because the quarterback kept throwing to the other receiver, and he kept dropping it. And I actually said these words: <laughs> "Stop throwing him the ball; he's a bad receiver." Oh. Okay, now that is a tendency to say this person's a he, he, he's a bad receiver, even though he wasn't. I just right. so, so the next thing happens is the quarterback does throw me this ball, and I it is now toward the end of the game. In fact, if I catch this. The odds are we're going to win this game. It was snowing. The lights were on. It was it was almost like a blizzard. And Ugh. this ball, I'm wide open. And here comes the pass to me. And I just complained to the quarterback, stop throwing it to the receiver. He's not a good receiver. He's going to drop it. Throw me the ball. So he does. And it comes. And <laughs> oh, no. I drop it. The lights, the snow were in my eyes, all these things. So I came back to the huddle. Do you think I said, I'm a bad receiver? 
the lights were in my eyes. I could you, you didn't even throw a spiral. Oh, the, the snow was yeah, hitting me. Yeah, it was yeah, lovely, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So my own outcome and or the things that happened to me are because of external things, right? External situational events, the light. But his, when it happens to him, it's because of internal causes. And I think that's the bias we have. We have to really understand and recognize we do that. I have a friend who's a psychologist and he says, I never, in, in sessions with couples, I never let a person say, I'm sorry. Uh, just by itself. Yeah. He said, who knows what that I'm sorry is? I'm sorry you don't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you're so wound up that I'm sorry you... He, he said, it always has to be, I'm sorry yeah. I was wrong yeah. for this. Yeah. Boy, that's a good exercise with friends. There yeah. are times you just blow it. Mm-hmm. It's you. And I could try to think of an out and think of externals I could blame it on. But uh, man, there's something really healthy about a friendship. When a person, another friend just says, man, I blew it. I'm sorry. I should have been there. I did. I wasn't. I I blew it. Yeah. That's good. Well, uh, Tim, this has been such a uh, just an you know valuable kind of topic. I, I think we need to keep talking. There's a number of questions that yeah. we, people send in on friendships, and let's keep doing that. Let's answer some even more. But as of right now, let's take a break uh, and come back again and yeah. talk about we'll this. We'll pick what do you it think? up again. This is a great topic. Well, come to the cmr.biola.edu if you want more um, just material we have out there. We have not only blogs, we have videos, we have some great material for you. But go check us out and on that, and then. Um, we look forward to visiting with you again. That's right. I have a new column, Hair Tips, <laughs> How to Make Your Cranium Shine. Just check it out. It's new for the CMR. That is going to be an amazing bestseller, I can tell you that. It's right pretty there. short, to be honest with you. It's a quick read. <laughs> okay. Well, take care and good business with you.